Okay, so guess what subject I'm not preaching about this Sunday. <laughs> they're all easy after last week, trust me. They're, they're all easy. Uh, no kidding. I want to thank you uh, for the overwhelming positive uh, response last Sunday's sermon. Tons of email and tweets and phone calls and bumping into people. And uh, you are an awesome church, and I just want to thank you for, for the overwhelming positive response. Appreciate that very much. Uh, one thing that I wasn't clear enough last week, about last Sunday was the hold your bladder speech. All right? Yeah, we're going to go there again. Okay. <laughs> um, you, are, you are allowed to go. Um, it's just, in last Sunday's topic, I didn't want people getting up and down because I didn't want everyone to think that you were voting. Right? We don't want people to think, oh, there's somebody there. Oh, there goes another one. Oh, there goes another one. And people are leaving the church in droves when it was just people who couldn't hold their coffee. And because uh, literally, like when I'm, when I'm preaching and someone gets up, the first thing that goes through my head is, what did I say? And, uh, and they're never coming back. That's the second thing that goes through my head. They're, never, and they're just going to the bathroom. And I think, oh, there, there they go again. Oh, you know. So, <laughs> so, so anyhow, um, so I had people, you know, ask me like, am I allowed to, am I, yes, you're allowed to get up. You are allowed. Should we take a five minute potty break right now? <laughs> Just talking about it makes everybody in the church have to go. All right. Um, I'm easily distracted. Did I mention that? <laughs> It's terrible, but I, I just, I am. Uh, so any topic is easy after last Sunday. And again, um, this series, you asked for it. We did not have a lot of questions. We had like 40 questions or something like that for this entire congregation. We didn't have a lot of questions. Um, but the second most asked question was around the problem of evil. Why is there so much evil in this world? Why do bad things Happen, And this is an important question because like last week's topic, uh, this question will come up. You get, you get having spiritual conversations with people that you know, uh, this question might come up where people say, well, you know, I just, I, I struggle with the problem of evil. Why is there so much evil in this world? Why do, why do bad things happen? Uh, or I can't believe in, or I can't follow a God who would allow bad things to happen. And if someone's asking you that, they're, if they're saying, you know, I... I couldn't follow a God who allows bad things to happen. You might want to ask them why they allow bad things to happen. Just keep the conversation going. Just ask, well, why do you allow bad things to happen in, in your own lives? Why do we do evil? I love this line from Tim Keller, uh, who says to people, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Because chances are I don't believe in that God either. And I, just, I just think that's a good, a good conversation. It's not... You know, it's not too threatening or I think it's good, not too defensive and all that. The Bible is clear about the problem of evil and it's really quite matter of fact about it. And uh, in the Bible just kind of says, yeah, it's there. It's, it'll, we'll always have it. It's just there. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, here on earth, you will, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, Jesus says, because I've overcome the world. In Genesis chapter 6, just six chapters into the Bible, and we've exasperated God with our sinfulness. Six, it took us six chapters to wear out God, right, with, with, with our sinfulness. And, and God says, you know, I can't, 
Like, I don't know. He says, people are no longer going to live for 600 years. I can't, I can't watch you live like this for 600 years. And he cuts, and he cuts us back to, uh, to 120. And then he gives us the, I brought you into this world. I can take you out speech. Um, that's, that's with, with Noah. It's like, this, this is it. Like, I just can't take any more of this. And if it hadn't been for Noah, God would have just turned this place into his golf course. And, and that would have been it. There would have been, uh, no more, no, that would have been the end of the story. No more humans. Some of this gets deep. And, uh, and I honestly can't answer all of the questions about this. The Bible doesn't give us all of the information on every possible question that we could conjure up. Um, but I would say to remember, or it would remind us, that the beginning of understanding is understanding that you'll never understand everything. You've heard me say that before. The beginning of understanding is understanding that you'll never understand everything. And that's not a cop-out. That's an admission that we realize that God didn't create our little coconuts with the capacity to know all things. We, we just don't. And at some point, you're going to have to have faith around some of these things. Questions are normal, but don't let your questions question your faith. Let your faith question your questions. Back that up. Questions are normal. But don't, don't let your questions just go on until they eventually erode and, and question your faith. Have a, have a solid faith and let your faith uh, question your questions. There's a big difference in that. We know that the sin in the Garden of Eden was not the first sin. God created angels before he created us. And he chose to create beings like the angels and like us with free will. Why? I have no idea. Maybe because God knows that, that if you choose to love someone... If someone chooses to love you, that's really love. But if, if you force them to love, or if they have no other choice but to love, then, then that's not really love. Maybe, maybe that's part of the answer. Satan was an angel with a pride issue. And he chose to be like God. And he fell. And that's the first sin that we know of. And when God created us, he gave us the ability to choose. And he also allowed temptation into the Garden of Eden. So, is evil our fault because we can't control ourselves? Or is it, or is it God's fault because he hardwired us from the beginning to choose between right and wrong and he gave us options? And over and over again, the Bible shows us we're evil, we're broken. And, and, but it also shows us that we're a part of this, this grand plan, this grand design of, of restoration and redemption. And the cross of Jesus Christ was the turning point of that plan. And I know that the world that we live in is still messed up. That's true. It's far from perfect. But ultimately, Jesus will come back and he'll recreate this place and he'll restore it to God's original design. And we're just one small speck of time, one small moment in history while things are still, still broken. We know that sin and evil bothers God to the point that, that God was ready to wipe the earth clean and start over. That's the, the Noah story, Genesis chapter 6. We know that 
Jesus himself was confronted with evil on a daily basis. It was either evil in the hearts of people who wanted to kill him, right? That's pretty evil. The, the, the one who created them, they wanted to kill him. Or evil evidenced in a messed up world that, that Jesus lived in where children were dying and people were suffering at, with disease and there were pagan rulers who were, who were reigning and, and, and people in Jesus' day could say, you know, why, why does evil win and why does, you know, good things happen to bad people and why do bad things happen to good people? And the same questions, and, the, and they lived in this era of, of violence and war and, uh, and brokenness all around them. We know of, of at least three times when Jesus himself just wept over, over the brokenness and how messed up things were. He wept one time at the death of uh, a close friend of his, Lazarus. He wept another time when he was, uh, when his heart was broken for the city of Jerusalem and, and the evil and the brokenness inside Jerusalem. And Jesus just looked at it and he just, he just broke down and, and wept. And then he wept uh, the, on the night before his crucifixion when he himself was feeling the full weight of, of our sin. When it was bearing down on him, uh, crushing, and he wept. So we're going to look this morning at Paul's letter to the, the new believers in Rome, where Paul addresses the issue of evil. And uh, going to read it, begin in, verse, in chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 18 to 23, and then we're going to jump to verse 28 and read 28 to 32 of Romans chapter 1, verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God had made. They can clearly see his inevitable qualities, his his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead, they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles jump over to verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of, of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. Paul, how do you feel about this? They invent new ways of sinning. They run out of ways. They're like, oh, let's, let's create some new way to sin. They invent new ways of sinning. You thought your children did this at one point or another, probably, or you will. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless. They have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet. Worse yet that they're doing this themselves. They encourage others to do them too. 
So Paul is, uh, this letter Romans, Paul is in Corinth and he's writing this letter to new believers in Rome who he has not yet met. Uh, Some Jews from Rome had traveled to Jerusalem for for Pentecost. You can read that in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. And they, they come to faith in Christ. They hear Peter's preaching and they run into people who are telling them about this resurrected Jesus. And these Jews who had traveled to Rome come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then as they're traveling back to Rome, they're planting churches along the way. And they get back to Rome and they're planting churches in Rome. And so Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome. And he, he wants them to know how God feels about evil. I think, he's been, I think he was pretty clear. Do you think he was clear? He wants them to know um, how God feels about this. And Paul says, God doesn't like the evil in the world any more than you do. He's angry about it. There are things that upset God. And Paul gives us this glimpse of emotion from God. He's, Paul, God is not unplugged from his creation. It's not spinning out of control it, it, I'm like you. I can watch the news someday and think that this, this whole planet is spinning out of control. And Paul says God, is, God is, is not unplugged. It's not spinning out of control. Actually, in the grand scheme of things, we're actually spinning into control because Jesus is going to take control again. So every day we're getting closer and closer to Jesus making this right. So I know it looks broken and it looks bad. But we're actually spinning towards Jesus restoring the whole, the whole broken deal. Closer to the return of Christ. And maybe Paul heard that they were asking the same kinds of questions that, that we ask. Maybe they were wondering, you know, you know, why are we being persecuted? Like we're brand new believers in Jesus. We just, we just traveled to Jerusalem and we, we, we heard it and we saw it and we believed it and we received it and we were baptized. And now we're back home in Rome and Rome is saying, well, if you do that, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kill you. We're going to use you as a torch in somebody's backyard. And so maybe they're asking Paul the same questions. Like, like why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, why do you know, good, good things happen to bad people? Maybe they were wondering, why, why is this world so broken? And Paul doesn't put the blame on God. He says that God made himself obvious to us. That's the second part of, of verse 20. He says, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his, his eternal power and divine nature. Paul says that God made himself obvious to us, and we still chose evil, and we still Today, even though God is obvious to us, we still choose evil. Paul says all you have to do, all you have to do is look at the sky or the earth or the world that God created. And you would know in your heart that there is a creator behind this. A loving creator who gave us all of these beautiful things to marvel at and enjoy him and worship him. And we wrestle with the, as, 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 as just, you know, human uh, creatures that we are, we wrestle with the big, heavy questions of life, and we wonder where God is. And Paul says, "Hey, if you just look around, if you just look around, you'd you'd know that He left this evidence in all of creation. God didn't intend to be hard to find, like an artist. He signed His work everywhere. He left us evidence of 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 Himself all over the place, so that we couldn't miss Him." Verse twenty one. Paul says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. 
And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Paul gives us insight into the problem of evil. He says they knew God. They knew the difference between right or wrong. But they wouldn't worship God and they wouldn't give him thanks. You see, things go wrong in our lives when we ignore God. Things go wrong in our lives, in my life. When I ignore God, when you ignore God, when, when you have enough evidence to believe in God, when you have enough evidence to choose to do right, but, it's, but you still choose to deny God. When people who are created for worship, people who are created to worship God, refuse to worship God. And like Paul said, we transfer our worship over to things that we've created. Things go wrong. The world unravels when we do that. When we stop seeing the goodness of God in our lives and we stop thanking God for his goodness and his blessings, Paul says, that's where we go wrong. That's where things start to unravel. The second part of verse 21. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now, this is, again, where I want to I caution us this morning and I want to help us. Questions are fine, um, and, and some of us are, are some of some of us are really wired for questions. We question everything, and that's questions are fine. God can handle your questions. And I know that there are days when there's stuff happening all around us that just does not make sense. Planes fly into mountains, and cowards storm into colleges, and children suffer from no fault of their own. I get it. But just follow this here for a second. Satan's first move on Eve. Satan's first move on Eve in the garden was to get her to question what she believed to be true about God. Did God really say? That's, that's the way he tempted her. Are you sure? Is, is that what he really said? What kind of a God would keep you in the dark on things like this? What is... What is he hiding from you? The tempter said to her. And that line of thinking led us to the mess that we're in. Can I trust God? Why is he keeping this from me? What is it, you know, did he really mean that? Is that what he really said? There's far more evidence in the Bible for the goodness of God than for the explanation of evil. There's far more evidence in the Bible for the goodness of God than the explanation of evil. And I know that's a big question. Like, why is there so much evil in the world? But the Bible chooses to focus on the goodness of God. This is set your heart on things above. And it reminds us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is, this is just, I love this chapter. Where Paul says this. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, Paul just said, it is what it is. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
And they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness. So they just acknowledged there is darkness, but Jesus came to be light in the darkness. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness. He has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile J. Clark, uh, clay, clay jars, not J. Clars. We ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Don't let evil and your questions and, and, and the, the, the darkness that you see, don't let it drive us to despair. Paul says in verse 9, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. That's where that song came from. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Uh, through suffering, he says in verse 10, and this is, here's another explanation of evil. Paul says, through suffering... Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That's one of the explanations for evil in this world, so that the light of the life of Jesus may also be seen. Yes, he says, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident through our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, Paul says. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. Verse 14, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit, Paul says. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the entire chapter. That's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's good. That's your homework for this afternoon. Go ahead and read that again. It's just loaded with good stuff. All right, back to our text. Verse 22, Romans chapter 1. Paul says, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. And he let them. Why did he let them? I don't know. But he let them do things that should never be done. Uh, the word since at the beginning of verse 28. Since is a consequence word. 
right? It's a consequence. I know it doesn't explain why there's evil in the first place, but it helps to explain why bad things happen. Like a child who hears their parents' instruction and weighs the cost, right? They hear you. They heard you say, you know, don't, or, or they may have even heard that you say, if you do that, this is what will happen. And, and, and they're weighing the consequences in their mind, and they're thinking, how much do I want this? Is it worth getting that? And they weigh it out in their little minds, and they often, they often choose to take whatever they want, right? And we're not much different than three-year-olds, are we? Because we understand we understand consequence. We understand, and still we choose to, to, to take whatever we want or to, to, to do things that we know that, that, that God doesn't want us to do. It's like children, they hear you. They might even believe you. They just have to learn it for themselves, and sometimes the hard way, even if it's painful. The Romans chapter 1 ends on a pretty low note. Uh, Not only do people keep on sinning and keep on doing evil, but they encourage others to join them in their evil. Is there any hope? Yes, there is. There's lots of hope, and it's in Romans chapter 2. So let's read that. Verse 1, Paul says, You may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad. (laughs) All right. And Paul says, You have no excuse. Like, he he brought them, see what he did? Like, he brought them up to the point of thinking, what is wrong with those people? Like, goodness, they're making idols out of reptiles, making idols in the form of reptiles and birds, and they're they're doing all sorts of evil, and they're they're inviting all their friends to do evil with them. And Paul says, you're just as bad. Oh, it's like, zing. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God and his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? And then here's the good news, the first four. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you, Paul says? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? When we talk about all that evil in the world, all that evil in the world, we need to remember that we are in need of grace ourselves. And when we, when we, like when we consider, you know, ourselves, what, what we, we're all alike on this, I think. I shouldn't, that's a broad sweeping term, but let me say, okay, let me say I'm like this. And maybe, maybe some of you will do the same thing. Um, when we're thinking about our own goodness, we, we place ourselves somewhere between Hitler and Mother Teresa. Right? And, and you put yourself in, the, in there somewhere, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in there. I'm in there somewhere. And Paul makes it easy. And he says, says you know what? We're all sinners. We're all in the same, we're all in the same pool. We're going like this. We're like, where am I? I'm probably in there. You know, not quite, you know. Paul says, hey, hey, you know different. You know different. We're all in need of God's grace. 
This is how Paul, this is how Paul talks to people in Rome he's never met. <laughs> Imagine how he talks to his friends. And they weren't turned off by this. You know what they did? They made copies and copies of his letter. They, they, they said, everybody needs to read this. And they copied his letter over and over and over. And they gave it to as many people as possible. And they shared it as the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They weren't turned off by it at all. Um, two, four. If we could throw two, four up here on the screen. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and, and tolerant and patient God is. And just put your name in there. God is with, with Tim and with Rod, where'd you go? And with Peter. God is with us. God is with, with, with me. He's kind, he's tolerant, and he's patient. There is evil, no question about that. But evil doesn't win in the end. It won't win. And Paul wants this glimmer of God's goodness to catch your eye. Don't stay so focused on what's wrong that you miss what's right. God is good. He's kind. He's tolerant. He's patient. He loves us. And his intention, his intention, God's intention is to turn you from your sin. Now, yeah, you, oh yeah, you can applaud there. You weren't sure if you were allowed to applaud or not because of what I said last Sunday. Remember I said last Sunday, we can applaud like crazy next week. Just, just not on that particular topic. Um, Paul was the ISIS of his day. You remember that? Before, before he met Jesus? You pray for those people? Should. Paul was the ISIS of his day. He was the ringleader of a group of militants who were out to extinguish Christianity from the earth. Paul, he says, I was the chief of sinners. Don't let the evil of the world drive you away from God. Let the kindness of God draw you to Jesus. Let the goodness of God draw you to Jesus. Maybe more than explaining evil, we just need to see, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, just need to see God's beauty. Uh, springing up everywhere this time of year. I, yesterday, I had a barbecue spring up in my backyard. It was awesome. I had to shovel about an hour to, to, to uncover it, but there it was, springing up in glorious beauty. And there's beauty all around us. Maybe you just need to see God's beauty and be reminded of that today. Maybe you just need to hear God's voice speak to you. Maybe you just need to be reminded that one day, Jesus will restore everything. If you're struggling, there is hope. If you are hurting, there is healing. If you are lost, there is direction. Uh, could we all stand together this morning? Let's all stand. And I don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask us this morning if we could bow our heads. If you would with me, you don't have to. Uh, but if you would, I'd appreciate it. Let's bow our heads together. The purpose of creation, the reason you exist is to know your creator.
And he's gone to great lengths to help you see him and believe in him and trust him with your life. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer here this morning before we, before Pastor Jay leads us in this song. And if you're here today and you, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never made that decision. You've never crossed out that, that line where you know for sure that there was a, a day, there was a time when you realized that, that how much God loves you that he created you and you saw Jesus clearer than ever before and you wanted to invite him into your life. I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now and I'm going to encourage you uh, if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ into your life and live for him and serve him and follow him for the rest of your life, I'm going to encourage you to, to pray this prayer along with me. You can pray it out loud if you want. You can pray it in your heart. God knows the decision that you're making in your heart right now. Let's pray together. Lord, for anyone who's here this morning, God, and recognizes that they need to begin a relationship with you right now, they feel your Holy Spirit, they feel you you're speaking to them. And right now in this moment, Jesus, they're simply saying, Jesus, would you come into my life? I'm inviting you right now in this moment to come in and be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm saying right now that I will live for you and I will serve you and I will follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, right now, I, I know that I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but I have enough faith and enough reason to believe in this moment right now that you are the Son of God, that you came to this earth and you died on a cross for my sin. And I'm choosing you as my Savior right now. And I'm asking you to come into the deepest places of my life. Set me free from my sin. Power wash my soul. Make me clean. Give me a fresh start today. And I'm thanking you for your love and your kindness and your patience and your tolerance and your goodness and your grace. And I'm receiving all of those things right now. But thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. And Jesus, I'm saying in this moment, that this is much more than just a decision that I'm making. This is a lifestyle that I'm choosing. And I will follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Lord, I also want to pray this morning for those who those have been wrestling with heavy stuff. Those, Lord, maybe who are dealing with evil in their own lives. And they're wondering why, as I'm serving God, I'm dealing with all this heaviness and heartache. And other people who aren't serving God, they just seem to go on and have happy lives. Lord, why? Why? God, I just pray that, that they would get a, a fresh word from you, a fresh sense of your presence. And Lord, that you would remind them uh, of your beauty that is all around them and how much you love them. And that even though, Lord, this, this world can seem like it's spinning out of control, it's not. You're still in control. You have a plan and a purpose. Uh, God, for people who are uh, just dealing with, with, with heavy issues this morning, I pray, God, that you would lighten their load as they release and hand stuff over to you and, uh, and trust you with every area of their lives. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.